Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Howdy, everyone. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We're so happy that you're here. If you're first timer, welcome. We move through the scriptures chunks at a time following the Come Follow Me curriculum this year in the Old Testament. And we point out things we think you don't want to miss. Um, that's where the name came from. In case you thought Emily didn't want you to miss her. You know, you're getting so excited for that. this. I know. I just, I, we're going to show you something before we jump in, but I can't wait. This lesson's going to be really, really good. <laughs> it's going to be so good. And actually you love the whole lesson, but the last three minutes you can't wait for. And if you are a podcaster, you just want to get on YouTube and watch the last three minutes. Yeah. So you can see our idea of something that you might want to do. Yeah. Um, okay. First, before we jump into this really, really rad lesson, next week is Easter. So Whenever you watch this, I don't know, but the next video that's coming out is going to be the East, and we're going to do this little Easter lesson that we'll talk about in just a second, but just in case you've missed this so far, and and we've got a tradition, a simple way to kind of elevate that Holy Week starting Palm Sunday, which should be coming up depending on when you're watching this, um, to Easter Sunday. If you Just a, a little thing we want to show you. Um, that will really help you celebrate Easter and make it a holy special yeah, week. Yeah, we're so excited. So we, I'm going to be using this. We're going to be using these in both of our own houses. We have this at Christmas time, if you haven't seen this. It's a, something we call the Emmanuel wreath. And it has all the names of Christ on it. And at Christmas, we counted down each of the names for 25 days leading up to Christmas, which was so fun. Um, I had to get new candles because I did it at Christmas, and so I ordered these online, and they're not quite right. So everyone who has one of these, if you are wondering, we are actually bringing in the candles that will fit this exactly right from India, and they will be here by Christmas. So you can buy replacement sets, which is going to be so awesome. But this is what we are going to do. We have taken the Living Christ, and each of these names comes from... The living christ document that you can study each of those names separately so we took the living christ and we put it on these cards that will lead up to easter so there's enough cards for every night starting on palm sunday and what i'm going to do is on that first night on sunday night i will read this um, from the living christ and these are the three names we find jehovah messiah and creator so I will light those three candles and then we'll just talk about those names, where we've seen him as that name in our lives recently. And then the second night, we'll read the second next little bit. And these will be the three names, good and healer and teacher that we will focus on. And I like to light all the candles. So the previous day candles and then these candles, there'll be six candles by day two. On day three, you'll do four and you'll just move through all of these. You can download this completely for free. It's so easy to put together. You just fold the paper in half and then you have the front and back of your little card. Everything you need to do this, if you just wanna light one candle every night, I just love the idea of bringing light and the names of Jesus into my home that week as we lead up to Easter. There's something about mm -hmm. counting down till Easter or anticipating Easter that is so fun and bringing Jesus into the holiday. Yeah. So you can do that any way that you'd like. We're going to use this, but you could just use that and just read a part of it every single night, sort of as like your nightly devotional before bed and prayers or something like that. Yep. If you want so to do So one it. week before Easter, That's this we're going to do starts. That. Okay. So then next week, it, um, we're going to film this video for next week, but in case you want to have these things, we want to get you ready. We're just going to have, you can go back um, to the newsletter to see what it yeah. is exactly you need or just take a look. Um, you these should be are able to all... find all these things in your house. Right. I think. Yeah. And they're all, we're just going to teach this lesson next week that uses each of these objects as a, um, as a sign, as a prophecy of what everybody was looking forward to. Let's just um, tell you this. Oh yeah. You are going to want a little sacrament cup. And so maybe this week or next week when you take the sacrament, you'll just keep your cup. Don't put it back in the tray. So you'll be able to put it in your box. And if you're listening on the podcast, let me just tell you real quick what you need. You need a little piece of bread. You need a stone. You need um, 
four pieces of fabric, the sacrament cup, a baggie full of 30 dimes or nickels, a little sheet that you can get for your nativity set. That's where I got um, mine. And a little cross. So that's what you'll need for the Easter lesson. Okay, and it's so fun. That will be next week's okay, lesson. Okay, more details. Go to the um, go to the newsletter for those if you want. Or, oh, what was that lesson? We don't even remember. It was one of the Joseph ones. Yeah, and we'll <laughs> link to it. So if you want a little bit more detail of what you're doing, um, that will help you out. Okay, perfect. All right, y'all, we are jumping in. Let's pull the timeline out. Oh, yeah. What and about add the our piece okay. onto the timeline. Okay, so it's going into this spot, number 15. We're coming from the plagues, and we're just starting to leave Egypt today. And it's going to go, and it's a little scripture that we'll look at today. It comes from Exodus 14, verse 13. It says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And that's really kind of what we're, we're talking about today, is um, the children of Israel seeing the salvation of the Lord in different ways and in different circumstances and different problems that they have. It's interesting to like think, sometimes we think situations are either, you know, in their particular situation, they've been slaves for 10 generations, right? And then all of a sudden there comes this night, the night of Passover when everyone is set free and the Pharaoh finally lets them go. And don't you get to those times in your life when you're like, oh, once this is over, <laughs> then I am home free. That is <laughs> you so know? true. And How many of us are like, if I can just get through Thursday, if I can just get through April, if I can just get through, it isn't true. Right, right. And it's just kind of like, this lesson is so poignant because it's just like, it just kind of is a pattern for what everybody has always lived through throughout all his, all humanity's history, yeah. right? We're just like, you just are always facing um, problems and fears and, and things that are happening in our lives. And, and as we watch the children of Israel face each of these, you know, problems, we just, we see a group of people who are continually learning and needing to rely on the Lord. And you're going to see a God who is constant um, mm. throughout each of their circumstances that they find themselves and in. And I love that from the children of Israel, we learn a lot more about ourselves, I feel like. Yeah. We, we just, I see myself in the children of Israel, but also through this story, we learn a lot more about the character of God and who he is. And today as we move through, that's what you want to be watching for, is what are the children of Israel learning that maybe would be similar for us, but also... What do you know about God when this lesson is over that you maybe hadn't thought about before? And we're going to go through a whole bunch of these stories and you're going to be looking for something consistent. Um, the, the story is here where we're going to be on the board. And then we're going to talk about what caused their fear. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to talk about how God showed up in that story. And there is such a amazing lesson here as we go through, but you kind of want it, all of it um, put together in order to see the realization that will come at the end of it. And I really like seeing a group of people who are, I mean, faithful people, they left not mm -hmm. knowing where they were going to go, but then they will face doubt and fear and problems, and then they'll move forward in faith, and then they'll face doubt, and you know, and it's like just this, it's just such a perfect picture of what it looks like to be alive yeah. you know just like this is what I'm this is what I'm doing and, and sometimes you might get to this and you think to yourself why not just like transport them to the promised land you know why not just like take why doesn't God why does God allow any of these problems to happen mm -hmm. and someone posted this I um every Sunday I kind of do with friends and sometimes on my Instagram who won church what was the best line that you kind of mm -hmm. heard from church and somebody sent one in this last week and they said um Something along the lines of um, that God was less interested in removing their problems and more interested in building their faith. Mm. And um, so that's such an intriguing thought to think like, oh, that what is his intention is to help them become something right through yeah. all of this. You know, he, he got him out of Egypt um, in a night, but it's going to take him 40 years to get Egypt out of them, yes. you know, and develop well, them. And, and I just, think... Too, do you ever think this, where they left Egypt, and when they left Egypt, the God that rescued them out of Egypt, they were like, I know the God that rescued me out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. But then when they get to the Red Sea, they're like, I don't know the God of the Red Sea. 
Yeah. What does that cost look like? And so then they're going to have that. And when they get past the Red Sea, they're going to say, I know what the God of the Red Sea looks like and what the God of Egypt looks like. But what does the God of the desert, what does that God look like? And you just watch them level up and level up and level up. And I think that might be true in our life that we're like, I know what the God of my you know, my childhood, I know who that God was. Mm. And my mm. teenage years, I know. And my childbearing years, I know the God of my childbearing years. But who is the God of raising adult children? I don't know that God yeah. yet. Yeah. And I need to lean into what does that God look like for me right now and, and be introduced to that. And I kind of like that you know, that we want to say to them, listen, the God of the Red Sea, why are you so worried? The God of the Red Sea Mm -hmm. is your God. But I think each of us gets to that place where we're like, we are about to die of hunger. And now the the God who splits seas, that's not going to help me right now because there's no ocean right here. Right. So now I just don't have a God. And, And I like the way that you like move through like kind of the stations of your life, you know, as you move forward, because you're going to see in the children of Israel, the whole 40 years that they're in the wilderness, they're going to say, we should have gone back. We mm-hmm. never should have left. We never should have. And I think that's a common temptation to think like, I want to just stay where I am and where I'm comfortable. And God's command is going to be move forward. Go into that next phase yeah. of life. Go into that next dream. Go into that next challenge, you know. And it is there where you will meet. The God you need. Yeah, the God you need. Right. Mm-hmm. Remember his name. Um, yeah. the I am that I am is that I will be what tomorrow demands, Demand. but you won't be able to experience that unless you step into tomorrow. your tomorrow. Right? So this is just awesome. So let's start Exodus 14. The first, um, issue they're leaving, you know, they, they get that Passover scene and you have to watch it on Prince of Egypt. Like you should really do this whole start with the plagues and move all the way yeah, to the this Red is a good Sea. Prince of Egypt week. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? If you have yeah. little kids or big kids, yeah. you really should watch that scene. It's just so awesome. And, um, and everyone leaves and they're so excited and they've got all their treasure that they got from the Egyptians mm-hmm. and they're singing that song. You know, and then they get there and they get to a beach, which you're like, yes, you know, this <laughs> is, is the God I know. He takes us to a tropical beach, you know, and the Red Sea is nice. It's yeah, good scuba it's so diving. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So they go to this really nice place in Exodus 14 and then. All of a sudden, I don't know why you would be surprised by this, but Pharaoh says in, in verse 3 um, or verse 4, I, I, I changed my mind. I'm going to go after them, and I'm either going to bring them back or worse. I'm just going to annihilate all of them. And so on the heels of being saved, on the heels of prayers being answered, right? I, like they, yeah. they're just in this place of celebration. Um, all of a sudden, Egypt and all of his trained chariots and and soldiers are coming up over the horizon you know at them and they find themselves on the banks of of the red sea and 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 you read about that in verse 7 the six, 600 chosen chariots that are that are there that are pursuing after them and they come to this place and you can just imagine like <laughs> i mean you know there they are the the red sea is big yeah it's like a ocean. Yeah, it is there, you ocean. can't see the end of it. So you are not going to swim across that thing. Like th- that's not going to happen. And can they even swim? And they, you know, it's not like and they swim can't. Lessons. I mean, and it's far that way, and it's far that way. So really, all the, I mean, you have sand to the left, sand to the right, an ocean in front of you, and now you have the the big bad wolf of the ancient world, Egypt, and all their trained chariots right behind you. You know, and and wh- like, what are you supposed to do? And I love, you're going to love watching the children of Israel's reply to their situations every time because it's so similar every time. They're so afraid, it tells us in verse 10. And they cry out unto the Lord first. And then they turn to Moses and they're like, did you bring us to die in the wilderness? Like, was this your plan the whole time? (laughs) You brought us to die in the wilderness. Why did you do this? Why did you bring us out of Egypt? And I love that that is their question every single time. Why yeah. did, now, why did you bring us out? Yeah. You know, why yeah. did you think yeah. this was a good idea? Of 
you know what we're going to do here? They were, One second ago, they were celebrating their good fortune. The next thing, it's the worst thing that ever happened to them. Right. Is coming out of Egypt. And one thing that I do like to remember, and you want to remember it all the way through the remainder of Exodus and through Numbers, is this is true about human nature. We would rather go back to what we know than we would to go forward into the unknown. What we know is more comfortable, even if it is painful, even if it is like for them slavery, or even um, we see it today in even like in addiction or in relationships that aren't healthy, or it's almost easier to go back into what is not good than the facing the unknown of what is ahead of us scares us. Well, it's just because I think fear only lives in the future. Like that emotion only comes when we think about what could go wrong or what could be disastrous about, you know, it's, it's always living in the, in the future. And we have to realize that about Israel because it's going to happen over and over again, that there is something about moving into the unknown. And it really is that we know the God of Egypt, but we don't know how God handles Red Sea moments. So that feels scary, so should we just go back? Yeah. Like, would that be easier? So as, if you're filling out your journal for this first one, we have like what their fear is. And we've put here, their fear is that we have no way out. Um, they just like, we're in a situation that we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. Um, we feel lost. And there's no way out of, of this situation. Like, I can see no solution to this. And so they turn to Moses and, and then Moses says back in verse 13, and he says, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. And don't you want to change that to say, don't be afraid, everybody, just stand still. And then I wish it said this, and see how the Lord will save you today. Let's watch what that's going to look like today. And that is what he's going to say every day. Let's just watch how the Lord's going to save us today. Yeah, and it's interesting that he says, I want you to like move your eyes and thoughts to the salvation of the Lord instead of where they are. Yeah. Your eyes are on a future that you've mm. invented. Your eyes are on a problem that's unsolvable or a situation you can't get out of. And he says, stop, stand still, and I want you to see the salvation of the Lord here instead. Um, that's the scripture that's on the poster for the week and that mm-hmm. whole idea of, of being still. Um, the Hebrew word that means to stay or to remain, to continue, to stand fast, you know, in, in that place. Hmm, that and is I, so, which is so hard to do when you are afraid. Right, to, right. That, to find that stillness when you are afraid, like that takes practice. It almost takes tools. It, it takes knowing how to meditate and breathe deep and just find that stillness in the fact that the Lord can actually save me today. Yeah, but it, I think it's like a, kind of a two-step process where it's like, okay, stand still, stop. Like stop fussing about yeah. all of that. Stop and turn your attention to something else. Yes, to you him. Know? Yeah, to him. Turn your attention to him. And then you love him uh, in 14, he says. Oh, but the end of 13. Oh, oh yes. that line, that promise. The Egyptians who you see today, you will see them again no more forever. Like that, I like love that part so much. You know, it's like whatever your problem is right now, the promise is there is coming a day where you will see it no more forever. I know. I love that forever part too. That's the best part. It will not come back. Yeah. And then he says in 14, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. I love that thought of just holding your peace. I don't know if that's how we meant it, but that's how I want it. Uh, Like you should not complain anymore might be what he's saying. But I want him to say the Lord will fight for you. And and what you are going to hold out of this is peace. The peace that is going to come from this. And then in verse 15 it says, The Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. And we were laughing so hard about this um, this morning. Um, in the Torah, at, at the back of every chapter of the Torah, there's something called gleanings. It's just lessons that people have taught about this chapter. And Nev picked some of their favorite to put in. And I love that they're called gleanings 
because that's what you remember um, when the harvest would come and they would harvest, but they would always leave some at the end that you could go, anyone could go through and just glean. It was like this, this little leftovers that were so good that you could pick up. And there is one in here that is so funny. It says this, God's reaction to Israel's distress at the pursuit of the Egyptians is reported cryptically in 1415. Read that for us again so we remember. What and the it Lord is. said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. And I love that it says this. There was a rabbi who said this. The Holy One said to Moses, Moses, your children are in distress. The sea is barring the way while the enemy is pursuing and you stand there and recite long prayers. <laughs> Thus, the rabbi used to say, there is a time to shorten and a time to lengthen prayers. <laughs> this was a time to shorten the prayer. <laughs> that is so awesome that he was like, Moses, stop praying. Go forward. Like it is, this is the time to actually move forward yeah yeah and someone might say like wait but there's no way forward <laughs> like i don't know what to, he's like just move move yeah. is what he says for them to do and and you know this part and the word that we have here and what in your moments where you have no way out we get from that verse 14 that the lord will fight so that's what you're going to put in that box by exodus 14 is the lord of the red sea the god of the red sea is a god who fights for you in situations when you have no way out and, and I, I really like um, this verse. I, it's, you know, it could mean one of two things, which I think is interesting, right? You remember Moses, he tells him, so go up to the banks of the sea, lift up that rod and divide that ocean. And the children of Israel will go through on dry ground, which don't miss that double miracle that happens mm. in here. He's not only going to open the ocean, but he's going to dry up the ground that's been underwater for all those years. It's not going to be mucky and gucky, right? Yeah, because how would they get through? How would they get through the muck? They would yeah, get yeah. stuck. So, so you love both. Yeah, that God doesn't do half miracles, right? So uh, there is this pillar of um, um, cloud fire that comes um, in verse 19 and 20 that you see. And then in 21, as much as I love Prince of Egypt's depiction of this, where he like, you know, puts that rod into the sea and it's just like, when it just kind of opens up, maybe that's how it happened. And that's what verse 21 is saying. But sometimes I read it and I think, what if it happened in a different way? It says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. So one way to read that would be right, that it was opened all night long you know, so that mm -hmm. they could walk through. But sometimes I read that and I think, wait, does that mean that that wind blew all night long to open the ocean? Yeah. Like just slowly open yeah, it up? Yeah, and they had to wait and be right, patient. Right, right. Watch that. for the way to dry. Yeah, and sometimes I, I believe in a God who can like open an ocean like that, <sighs> like overnight, right? We just saw it overnight. They were set free from generations of slavery. But sometimes it's a, it's a, the deliverance, that fighting for you is something that takes all night long. Mm -hmm. And that ocean is slowly opened up and you are slowly moving you know, In. into it and, yeah. and through it. Well, and I think about this. I had a conversation with a friend. I'll never forget it in a parking lot structure. And we were talking about a miracle that was so needed in that moment. And I had said to her, um, do you... I think this could be a Red Sea moment. And her reply back to me was, do you see dry ground? And I love that thought of that double miracle, that there, there were two things that happened there. there. was There was that Red Sea dividing, but also that thought of the dry ground. And it, it made me think as I was driving home that some miracles, just the splitting of the sea is not enough, that you need that do you see dry ground mm. moment? Mm. And the thought that God is a finisher, you know, that mm -hmm. he does the whole thing. Um, he will divide that seed, but he is also going to dry the ground. And, and I just love the completeness mm -hmm. of that. I love that he will see to every single detail. Yeah, yeah. And to read this and see that instead of seeing like, oh, the timing that it should happen in or the yeah. style that it should happen in, you yeah. know? 
We love a poem um, that we often read when we teach this lesson. It's by a woman whose name is Annie Johnson Flint. And she said this, Have you come to the Red Sea place in your life where in spite of all you can do, there is no way out, there is no way back, there is no other way but through? Then wait on the Lord with a trust serene till the night of your fear is gone. He will send the wind, he will heap the floods, he will say to your soul, go on. Mm. And I just love the thought of that. And, and I love how she talks about what you were talking about, the night of your fear, you know, and that moment when he will move the um, water, he will heap it up. And then he will say to your soul, go forward. And we love that one. This is the one we'll take the longest time on. The other ones will move quicker. But just such a great principle of one of the things that I love to think about is how the Lord shows up. So we see that here in this first one. He opens the water, but he also dries the ground. That's how he fights for us. Yeah, so you'll see the pattern here is in those times when you feel like there's no way out. Remember, the God of the Red Sea is one who will fight for you. Okay, so you go on to this next story, which is in Exodus 15, 22 to 27. They go through the waters. They get into the Sinai wilderness, and, and they are moving through. And you, um, 15 is a song. The beginning part is a song where it kind of recounts um, what has just happened. Um, then you get to 22 and you find out that he brings the children of Israel from the Red Sea. And they went to this place in the wilderness. Uh, and they were there three days and they found no water. And then all of a sudden they come into this place called Mara. And, they, and there was water, but they couldn't drink of it for, because the waters were bitter. And that's why they called it Mara, because that's what that word means. <laughs> uh, and they complained in 24 and they and said, what, what, are, what are we supposed to drink? You know, and you can just imagine this situation. And it's a situation that we've called a bitter situation because they look at what they have and they're just like, I, I can't use what's here. Um, there's something wrong with this situation. There is a problem here. And, and the water is not only bitter, but they are bitter about the situation that, that they're in. And we can all probably think of moments like that in our own life where you just look at the situation and, and as you look at it, it might be a relationship, it might be a work situation, it might be a um, calling, it might be um, something that you've heard from a talk, or it might be, you know, you, you can look in your life when things are just, it, it's almost like it's unfair. Um, you look at it and you're like, here is water, but we can't even drink right. the water. And our perspective is immediately to go to worst case scenario. And sometimes from bitterness, um, what you will eventually experience is, is the death of something, right? The death of a relationship or, well, most often that is what it will end up being. It will yeah. lead to yeah. um, the death of a relationship, whether that's here or whether that's, you know, with heaven or whatever it is, that tends to be what results in ongoing bitterness. And we love what the Lord teaches here. Well, and we were talking earlier that it, like there is a legitimate problem, right? The water really is poisonous or yeah. undrinkable, you know, and, and, and now the prop, like, because of that, they've now become bitter about that situation. Like, why would I be put into a situation like this? Why yes. is God going to leave me here to die? Why is, why would he, That's you know, so why good. would he bring me here? And in verse 24, you see that word murmur. I think that is what happens when we are in a situation like that. It's really easy to go to a place of murmuring where yeah. everything is wrong and our perspective sees and almost nitpicks everything that is wrong with that situation. And then they turn to Moses and they're like, what are we going to drink? So he cries unto the Lord and the Lord shows him a tree, which when he cast it into the water, the water was made sweet. And so there was a statute and an ordinance and there he proved them in that moment. And he said to them, if you will just diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord and will do that which is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments. There, there it is again, like that turn, get your attention off of that, yes. the problem and, and, and look put it onto at him. the Lord. And if you would just keep his commandments, if you will just follow him, if you will do that, he's going to show up for you, right? The God of the Red Sea is now the God who can turn 
bitter things sweet. That is who this God is. And um, he says, if you would just allow me to be that if you would diligently hearken if you'll keep my commandments if you'll keep your focus on me i love what he says at the end of verse 26 i am the lord that healeth thee like i can heal bitter places i can heal bitter things i can heal bitter hearts but you have to focus on me you have to keep my commandments the statutes the ordinances diligently if you want to experience that healing. And then it is so beautiful because in verse 27 it says, And next they came to this place where there were 12 wells of water and three score and ten palm trees. And they're going to camp there for a while. And I love that he is like, I am a haven of healing. That's who I am. If Just trust me. Just focus on me. Just go where I tell you to go, right? Um, and now they're they're storing up. Okay, now we know the God of Egypt. We know the God of the Red Sea. We know the God who heals bitter waters. We know the God of these safe havens, right? This is the God that we are coming to know. And you'd think after that many things, you'd be like, okay, he's shown up three times. <laughs> but we should just trust that we're going to be fine. You yeah, know? But, but it really is just our, our problems that cause fear and then we move to worst case scenario and it just, yeah. you know, it just keeps happening. Um, I do like that part though. It says that they encamped there by the mm-hmm. waters because there are seasons of life where we do get to camp yes. by the waters, yes. you know, for yeah. just, for just a season before chapter 16 comes, you yeah. know, into 15 <laughs> and, and before, before 16. So in those moments where your situation is bitter, and it's causing your heart to be bitter. Remember, our God is a God who heals. And in 16, um, then, now the problem's not water, but they're out in the wilderness. And uh, they murmur because they, um, they have no <laughs> food. Right? And verse 3 really is like one of your favorite, <laughs> favorite verses when they say, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Like we should have just died there because at least when we died there, we, we had the flesh pots and we did eat bread and, and, and we had all these. And later, remember, they're going to be like, we had the cucumbers, you know, and they're like, um, but you brought us into this wilderness to just kill us all with hunger. That's why you brought us here. He's like, was this your whole idea from the very beginning? After the 10 plagues, the sea splits open, the water turns sweet. And you did all that because you were planning on killing us with hunger. Uh, (laughs) What's going to happen? So we put down, this is a situation where people feel empty. You know, literally in this situation, they are, they are without bread. They're without food. Um, But there are situations we find ourselves in where we are without. And and it's, and it's not just like we're without um, some of the luxuries we see in other people's lives, but like we're out without some of the things that we, actually need um and we and and there is physical hunger but there's also a spiritual and emotional kind where you're just like i just feel like empty i feel Mm -hmm. like just like oh my my soul is grumbling you know for for something and it reminds me of that song nicole norderman sings that we can put on our old testament playlist if you don't know we have an old testament playlist i listen to it all the time right now i love it so much um, and we will link to it on our Instagram, our Don't Miss This Study Instagram, so you can find it. But do you remember that song when she talks about, send us rain? Would you just send some rain? Um, and then she says, but if not, then we'll enjoy what it means to thirst after you. And then she says, send mm. us bread. Would you send some bread? But if not, we will learn how to hunger after you and send us a roof over our head but if not we'll learn how to count the stars at night and i just i love that there is something about him creating spaces or seasons where we have to yearn after him Mm -hmm. and it almost feels like this is one of those that that he allows them to get to this place where they are hungry to see if they will hunger after him yeah, it's because their their prayers encamped by the waters at the end of chapter fifteen, I do not think are the same as they are yeah. in chapter sixteen. Yeah, you know, in your in your prayers as you 
left, you know, Egypt were not the same as the ones that just stood on, on the banks of it. And there's something about yearning that's so good and exalting, yeah. you know, to the soul. You probably know the solution to this, starting in verse 4, and then we have 6 and 12, where the Lord says, I will rain bread from heaven mm. for you. Don't you? <laughs> I think it's so awesome that, like, like, the Red Sea was like a wind came, and that seemed, seemed kind of natural. The second one is like a tree just healed the yeah. water. That was so random. Three, something that you never even thought of, you know? And it's like, I'll rain down bread. Like, that doesn't happen, you know? Yes. Like you just don't like brain. And you love that it's cloudy be with a chance of meatballs. Every single day for yes. forty years, he is gonna rain down this bread. Like it, that is provision. That is like daily providence. Um, in my life, sometimes I like to think of manna as tender mercies. And do I ever uh, tire of those or take them for granted or get to the point where they don't mean as much? Um, but how he says to them, I will rain bread. Um, and then that one part that he, he talks about, it will be to the full. You'll have enough to eat to the full. I love that part. Right. Yeah. So in this section of the story, you have those times when you feel empty. You need to remember that the God of the wilderness is one who fills us to full consistent i mean it's just it's like both like i don't even how you say like short term and long term you know it's like you will be full today yeah and then tomorrow i will fill you again and when we talk about like how he's teaching them to build their trust in him and their faith in him there's something about this miracle that is really cool it's yeah. like you need to seek for it every day and i'm getting a little giggle right now because i wonder if people think this is supposed to be f e e l and that we spelled it wrong. Isn't that so oh. weird to think about? <laughs> uh, because th- they are going to feel full, but he is a God who fills full. Mm. Like he's going to fill you full. I'm glad you said it like that because I just love that that is who he is. And then we're going to move past that part to 18. 17. No, to 17. I was like, well, now we got to the wrong week. Um when they're in the wilderness of sin. When they're in the wilderness of sin. Yeah. And it's going to be the part, um, yeah, one through seven is where we're going to be. And they now again, they're going to say, we are so thirsty. You've got to give us water so we can drink. And I love these words that it says in here that they chide with Moses and they tempt the Lord. Um, and they're thirsting for water. It, you just have all of this... Um, they, I, and I love that they're almost like questioning the Lord, mm-hmm. which is so interesting because now we know the God of Egypt, the God of the Red Sea, the God who makes water sweet, the God who provides safe havens, the God who rains down heaven, bread from heaven that you actually ate this morning. I wonder if yeah. <laughs> Moses wants to be like, God has not forgotten us. Do you remember breakfast? Right. <laughs> I mean, he's just like, he's giving them this miraculous bread and yes. they're like, Where's the jelly? You know? Now they're so mad at Moses, they're going to kill him, which in my mind, I'm like, why are you going to kill the prophet? He's the only one. Like so far, everything that has happened is because Moses has petitioned the Lord for you. Stoning the prophet seems like the wrong thing to do in this moment. And so, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, but like it kind of shows you the intensity of what the problem was because like when we get caught up in our fears, we start to think irrationally. You know, yeah. when we've invented worst case scenarios, then all of a sudden we start to act in a really irrational way, which is a, another call again. Yeah. It's like, stop, like get out of that space and and turn your eyes to me because you see they're just like, we're not only hungry, but like now all of a sudden that hunger means in verse three that your intentions are bad and God's intentions are bad. Yeah. You know, and that's why we put this word here that they feel abandoned, you know, where yeah. they're just like they've translated a problem to mean God's abandoned us and he has um, evil intentions for us. And I think it's so interesting because Moses is going to smite the rock and water is going to come out and everybody's going to get a drink. But it's so interesting to me what Moses names that place in their journey. Um, because he doesn't name it a word that means answer or miracle or promise or God showed up. He names it um, this name, Masa and Meribah, 
because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they questioned the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? And I just think that's so interesting that maybe that's true in our journey too. Maybe there will come a moment in our journey where we have to question, even though the Red Sea, the sweet water, the haven, the, all the things that, that we'll look and be like, well, uh, is, is the Lord here? Is yeah. he aware of me? Does he know me? Like you finally have to get to the point where you're like, is the Lord among us or is he not among us? And I love the thought that over and over again, he's going to tell us this. Um, if you've been capturing the promises to covenant Israel with us so far this year, and we have an ongoing list that we put in the newsletter every week, and then it's also in the app, just an ongoing list of all of the promises that we've captured so far. The number one promise, like over and above every other promise is, I will be with you. I am in your midst. I will dwell with you. I will go with you. I will, like, he just keeps telling them, yeah. I'm in this. Yeah. Like, I am in this with you. And I love that that is the question is, is he among us or not? And his reply in every single story that we've seen so far is, I am with you. I will be with you. I am in your midst. I will dwell with you. That that is who the Lord is. He's He's going to be there with them. That is his promise. And then we move from that moment into yeah, this battle. And I was going to say it's interesting because that rock that the water came from, that the miracle came from, was in their midst. And they just didn't recognize, mm. you know, that it yeah. was the answer, you know. And yeah. it was just like that rock was there all along, right? And God was there all along, you know. And so when you feel abandoned, you know, remember we have a God who is among us, even if we don't see it that and do you know that game among us every no. time i read that i'm just like <laughs> feels sus okay so Aww. then they go into this battle like it's so funny that it's like is the lord among us or no the answer is verse eight then came amalek to fight with israel and you're like oh no <laughs> you know see it just keeps coming y'all um people say more money more problems but i'm like more days more problems right <laughs> yes. it's just like okay then all of a sudden this enemy to them comes amalek and he's gonna, he fights them. There's a, an attack on them. You find out in later chapters that maybe it's because um, uh, really a kind of a faith issue, right? But anyways, he attacks them unprovoked. And Moses says to Joshua in nine, verse 9, Choose out the best men to go fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'm going to go on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And so Joshua did it, and he went and got a bunch of people to fight with him. And Moses and, this, and Aaron, you know, and a guy named Hur go up to the top of the hill. And whenever Moses' arms are up in the air with the rod, um, Israel is winning. And whenever he lowers his hands because um, he's tired, um, Amalek's army starts to win. And so this story is like super cool. We have here, obviously the fear is they are being they're fighting. They, they're not soldiers, right? Like yeah. we've lived in Egypt as slaves for all this time. And, and now we've got this battle that we're going against, against a trained army. And, and this is way too big uh, for us to handle. Yeah. Right? And they're just overwhelmed. It, it's that moment when you're like, the obstacle in front of me is too big. Yeah. It's too big. Yeah. For, for the, for the skill set I have, for the strength I have, for the resources that I have, um, this is not going to work. And, and the answer is um, the Lord coming to fight that battle for them, right? And so he, when he goes up and, and lifts up that rod, they get this strength and this power and, and, and courage. And it's so cute because he will lower them and can't hold them up. And so Aaron and her, both, they give him a big rock to sit on. He's like, you sit here. And both of them just hold up his arms on either side. Which so would be so hard, too, up. because, I mean, it's so nice <laughs> of them to help. But you know when your arms are just like, I just need a break of this. And sometimes when I read this story, I, I just want to look at two people. Because you have Moses. And for those of you who are in a leadership position, you know how that can be so exhausting sometimes. And to um, that sustaining that comes is so important as you go through that work, but also that being at the top of the hill, the overseeing of all the people, the, the looking at the big picture, someone had to do that job mm -hmm. and it was Moses. But we cannot forget about Joshua. 
We can't forget about the people in the trenches. And the, I love that there was a Moses and a Joshua in mm -hmm. this story, that Moses was doing the work that Moses needed to do to win that battle. And Joshua was doing the work that Joshua needed to do to win that battle. And sometimes we are going to be the people in the trenches. And sometimes we are going to be the people at the top of the mountain. And it's so important and sometimes to remember we're we the need people both. Holding yeah, sometimes up we're the, the people arms. holding up and right. sometimes we're the people fighting next to Joshua. And um, that when we gather to fight for God, we are going to be needed. Every single person was needed. And I love... Um, I love this one part that the Lord says when it's all over to Moses, write this in a book. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, but I love when he says, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. This is going to be the first place that we are going to see Moses beginning to encourage Joshua in the role that he will play. This is the first time it shows up. And there is going to be a great lesson on the importance of an encourager as we go from here through Deuteronomy that you want to be watching for, but you may want to mark in um, Exodus 17, 14, rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. I have a little star by mine because that's going to become important as we keep moving through. So we go through, they win the battle. Right. And so that's, and, and this is in verse 12 where you see this. Oh, no, I lied. It's verse 11. It says, when Moses held up his hand, which was a symbol of we've brought God into the battle. So whenever you see that, remember, it's like, it's not him holding it up. It was the thing God asked him to do to invite him in. It's like, do you want me in this fight or no? If you do, hold that rod up. And so when God was in the battle, in other words, it says Israel prevailed. And that's what we have. When you have these situations where you're like, my skill set, my resources are, are not big enough for this problem that's here. We have a God who will prevail for us, right? That's the whole name of Israel. Israel's name means a people that allows God to prevail for them. And it isn't kind of interesting. I was just thinking as you were talking to that in when Egypt came, he didn't say turn around and fight. He said, stand still, get your attention here and then move forward. But in this one, he actually has them fight. So yeah. it's just interesting that they different conditions right. are going to require a different response. Right. And the point is they look to him to say, what should we do? That was the question that they turned to every time is they looked to him and said, what do you, what should we do in this situation? Mm -hmm. And the answer came so differently for every single one of the situations. Right. Yep. And then it's so interesting because um, the Lord says to Moses in verse 14, we talked about this about the rehearsing in the heirs of Joshua, but he also says, write this for a memorial in a book. Rehearse it in the heirs of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and he called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. And that means the Lord is my banner. I had the most interesting experience this morning. I was woke up early in Utah, it had just snowed. It was beautiful outside, and I opened up my blinds so I could see, and it, it's light. It's so bright, but there was snow just hanging on every bush and tree, and it felt like a cozy morning. And so I grabbed my scriptures, and I grabbed my study materials, and I was like, I'm just going to climb back in my bed and read over all of this stuff. And I got all cozy in there, and I started reading and as I went through and I was working through in my journal and I was thinking about each of these lessons and I started watching all of these words that appeared. And then I got to this bottom part and um, it is my habit to collect names. I love collecting names. Mm. I love collecting the names of the people, but also these names of the places. Remember, we've learned about Bethel and as we go through each of these places, we're learning something significant in each of these stories. In fact, as I was reading, I got to this part that is so awesome. So you remember Alfred Adersheim, my friend, I can't wait to meet in heaven, <laughs> who was um, a Bible scholar who lived a long time ago. Um, he did a lot of writing. He was Jewish and he became Christian. He was a member of the Catholic Church. He did a lot of writing about um the life and times of Jesus in Jerusalem according to Jewish custom and tradition. But then he went back and did also Bible history just according to what he knew about um, Hebrew and, and being Jewish and all of those traditions and those things. And 
he talked a little bit about this and I love that this is coming from a man who understands religion at a really deep layer, both Christianity but also what it was to be Jewish and he says this, he wants to teach us something important about names. And he's talking about when Moses named this place um, and why it was significant. Do you remember he named that other place because you said, is the Lord among us or not? And everywhere they went that something significant happened, they named. But remember, we also just learned about Jacob. And in that significant moment when he decided to let the Lord prevail in his life, his name was yeah. changed to Israel. And, and when Moses first meets the Lord, remember the question is, what is your name? Yeah. Because there's something significant yeah, about so names. Yeah, so significant about names. And I love what Alfred teaches us. He says, for in scripture, the name is regarded as the manifestation of character or of deepest purpose, which is true. If you look up the Hebrew translation for the word name, it will talk about character um, which or authority, someone's character or their authority. I like when this says, deepest purpose. So when we do things in the name of Jesus Christ, we're talking about in the character of Jesus Christ or in the authority of Jesus Christ or in the deepest purpose of Jesus mm. Christ, which I love the thought of that. But then he says this, in scripture, the name is regarded as the manifestation of character or of deepest purpose. Whence also a new name was generally given after some decisive event which forever after stamped its character upon a person or a place. And I just love coming from our understanding as Latter-day Saints, as a covenant people, and particularly as you think about the temple, to think about a new name was generally given after some decisive event, which forever after stamped its character upon a person. Don't you love yeah. the thought of that? Yeah. So anyways, I was reading that. Then I was thinking about, um, he changed the name of this place to Jehovah Nisi. And it means the Lord is my banner. And as I thought about that, I was like, why did he choose that? Mm. Bethel made more sense. Surely the Lord was in this place. This is the place of God. God yeah. But I was like, why did he choose the Lord is my banner? And as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, I wonder if he made a banner. And then I thought to myself, well, if he made a banner, what would he have written on the banner? And it was interesting because I've talked a lot this year about we've had a, a really hard, actually two years. Um, and a lot of things that are private to our family. So I haven't talked a lot about all of them, but things that have just been hard and heavy. And as I was reading through each of the places where Israel was going, I was like, oh, we've been in this place and we've been in this place and we've been in this place and this place and this place. We have been in all of those places. And what is interesting is if I look back over the past two years, this is what I see and this is what I'm carrying and this is what I feel. And it is heavy. It causes me a lot of anxiety sometimes. And as I was looking at it, I was like, oh, I this is what I actually need to see because I have also seen this in our story this year. But this is what I'm carrying. And all of a sudden I was like, I got to make that banner. Um, and it is so funny because I texted David because all of a sudden, next thing you knew, I was out of my cozy bed still early in the morning, but I was in my kitchen and I was pulling out black paint and a paper plate and a piece of canvas. And I was like, I've got to make this banner. I've got to put this up. I need to see this every single day. I've got to remind myself of this God who shows up. And I don't know what's ahead of us. I keep thinking this will be the last hard thing. Okay, this will be the last hard thing, right? I, I've done the Red Sea and then I've done the Sweetwater from bitter and then I've gone to the haven and then we've done reached the place where it felt like there was no water and I just keep thinking this will this will be it this because now we've had five so this will be it and then you get to the point where when the next thing happens like now it's showing up in my dreams you know that I'm like the other night I dreamed Grace got a tumor in her brain and I was like it's not in my day-to-day -day anymore like I am carrying so much so many heavy things that it's it actually is 
what I am breathing and thinking about and living in. And, and, and it really does. I actually, it's so funny. It was just um, listening to this podcast this morning about like what fear actually does to you physically, emotionally, yeah. and mentally to like sit in that place that it really does have. Yeah an impact on all your systems. Yeah, you know? and which is so true. And it is exhausting a little bit. And I thought to myself, I can see why he told Moses, you need a banner. Like you need a banner. You've got to put this up in front of you. So you remember, don't carry this anymore. You need to carry this. So I did, you guys, I made this banner. David's <laughs> gonna help me put it up. Um, I just sat at my kitchen table and I just painted, I'm not even that good at painting or writing for that matter, but I just put all these words out because I was like, I gotta remember, this is who my God is. This is who shows up in my story, someone who fights and heals and fills us full and will be among us and will prevail. And you, you can't see this one, but um, in the end, will deliver and don't you want me to hang this banner in my house i hope greg's not watching he'll be like no no i do not want you to hang that in our house but um i just need to see this every day i like i need to put it on the back of my bedroom door so that every day i'm like this is what i'm care. i'm going to carry this this mm -hmm. is what i'm going to carry now i am going to carry that this is my god and my god is a god who shows up that is who he is in my story Wherever it is, in my wilderness places, in my desert places, my God is a God who shows up. And if we were going to tell you to take one thing from this lesson today, I think it would be make your banner, whatever that looks like. Get out a piece of paper or some butcher paper. Get out some markers. Get If you have old canvas in your garage and black paint, um, you just put up who is your God, who is the God who shows up and how does he show up for you? And, and maybe you need all of these words. In our family, we need all of these words. This is how many people we have and everybody needs one of these words. Or maybe you just need one and you're just gonna write that word that big. Um, but who is your God and how is he gonna show up right now in your story and carry that instead? Yeah, with you. The, the chapter ends 17 where he says, because the Lord, and this you'll see in the journal, we put a spot like, what's my particular fear? And, 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 and how is God going to show up? And because he says, the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek, your enemies, your problems from generation to generation. That says two things to me. One, it says, chapter 18 is coming, <laughs> right? It's like, we're not done. There's going to be war for generation to generation. But what it also says to me is like, I will be constant in whatever happens from generation to, to generation. So this is such a sweet idea and it comes yeah, back and, to that. And whatever tomorrow demands. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, how I'm going to show And it's like, up. listen, listen, if fear lives in tomorrow, let God live in tomorrow. Yeah. Right? The God that you need, let him be there. Moses said to the children of Israel, well, the Lord, really, stand still and stop looking at your problems, but see the salvation of the Lord. Put your eye and your heart on what he is, is capable of doing. It's so doing. good. And you love, I love that you said, because chapter 18 will, t will come. And you guys are going to love this part of chapter 18. I looked ahead, actually. And <laughs> it is so cute because... Um, sometimes you do have those moments where, and you remember that talk that we all love, Sunday will come, and this is such a good time to be thinking about it. But guess what happens in verse 1 of chapter 18? It says, When Jethro, who's Moses' father-in-law, heard all that the Lord had done, and then they list everything the Lord had done, and then several verses down, it says this, Jethro, <clears throat> Jethro rejoiced. And I love that, don't worry everyone, there are gonna be moments of rejoicing. There are gonna be moments of joy. There are gonna be the hard things, but there are gonna be chapter 18s. There's gonna be the moments when you just get to recount those times when the Lord showed up and you get to rejoice. You just get to have that season of joy and goodness and you know that breathing, the 70 palm trees, those are ahead of you. Um, too, and I love knowing that. And then, and when it's a battle chapter, you get to go in with this banner, yeah. under this banner, 
you know, yeah. under a God who will do all of all of these things. So we can't wait to see what you make. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yes, you should. I wish people could um, tag us, tag us so we yeah. can see your banners if you make one. That would be so awesome. Yeah. Oh, okay, you guys. We'll see you next week for Easter's lesson. <laughs> <laughs> this audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.